Okay, so I think um, what we're going to want to talk about in today's discussion um, is the uh, article that I found by Asher Walden, PhD, I want to say, about like psychic symbiosis and like 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 various like uh, mind entities that inhabit the panpsychic psychedelic landscape or whatever which is also all about the reality that the gods have as well as angels and demons and uh, everything in between the fairies and the elves and the kind of uh, different spirits and and so but um i almost wanted to just like i don't know preface that with something which maybe is not super wise or relevant to expand upon um but i also wanted to work in the idea of mercy creating reality because um or like that that um that atonement on another level simply is creation um and um can you still hear me okay yeah cut out for a minute you said mercy creating reality and atonement on yeah. another on another level is creation yeah 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 and um so as a point of departure because I, you know, I always struggled to see the necessity of the incarnation. So, like, this is all well. In other words, all this theology stuff is well and good, but what does it have to do with Jesus, kind of thing? And so, um, I wanted to kind of get into a potentially heretical sort of process theoretic understanding of creation as almost like divine, divine self creation but specifically the self-creation of the manifest God. So we have a trinity of the unmanifest God or Father and um, the, uh, you know, Aquinas said that's like in some sense that's pure act and and Nate Heil dismissed my view as like saying that he's pure potential, but I'm really saying that that, that absolutely unlimited aspect of the godhead you might say it is um it's beyond actually it's beyond the binary division between actuality and potentiality or it's underneath them both um so you know and i think that that theme of god being um sort of um what utmost and inmost and uttermost is, is going to sort of repeat perhaps but um you know, on one level, it's common to speak of God as Ase, that is of himself, entirely self-sufficient ontologically, or, or not dependent on anything external. But there's two ways one can cash that out. So one can um, talk about, uh, you, you can say, of course, God is not created by anything outside him or more real than he. Um, and... Um, but, you know, like, if, you, if God is ultimate reality and in him everything moves and lives and has its being, then it's almost definitionally uh, impossible that there should be anything outside ultimate reality, which is also real, real enough to beget ultimate reality. Ultimate reality contains everything real. So on some level, this kind of aseity, it's like it's, it's, like it's trivial, doesn't even bare mentioning because of course there's nothing real real outside ultimate reality that is like real enough to to beget ultimate reality 
The question is sort of what does aseity look like within ultimate reality? And so, you know, when Michael Sartori and I were talking, he was talking about how, uh, like, if I have a phone, it's not like this. The phone just popped into being, uh, like in a in a rabbit out of a hat way. There's a whole story of how I came to have it and of how it came to be. And um, when we try to tell causal stories, there's an interesting logic that's that's involved because. If you want to make it linear, and pr pretty much all human understandings of theology inescapably are linear, like they speak of the moment that time was created, implying a sort of time before time, implying that in the beginning there was eternity and then there was linear time, uh, with the unfortunate consequence that now it is not the case that eternity transcends linear time, but rather vice versa. In other words, there's eternity and there's linear time, and then underneath that, presupposed some deeper bedrock linear time it's not non-linear it's it's all too linear um, um just just roll with me for now i'm sorry um wait a moment oh sorry, I, yeah i was on mute yeah sorry there are bugs but um, yeah I, I am rolling with you i'm just trying to if you see me making weird faces because i'm trying to keep up process. okay i'm sorry yeah, yeah. Um, no you're so good the, the um so what i'm saying is that When we when we try to when we try to understand, okay, now where was I? That's the that's the issue. You were you just mentioned uh, turn. There's like eternity and li linear time, eternity, and then a more. Where bedrock. was I before that? Oh man, you're. It's in. Um, I don't. I don't even know. You're kind of. I was trying to follow. Oh right, right. Okay, 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 okay. So so in the kind of conventional theological picture, is like linear. So like. First, there was God, and he wasn't related to anything, except maybe his three persons, like, you know, intra, uh, you know, in, in the intra-divine reality. They have a special special term for that, I can't remember. Um, and, uh, but so first, there was just God by himself, and then there was the world. And um, the world, God didn't have to create it. There's no necessity, it has no necessity of its own that it should that it has to exist. God was free not to create it, and yet he chose to create it. And so now the question is, given that the world exists, um, was it, I mean, some it, it exists because of something. Let's say some causal intention that God had. He had the causal intent, he had the intention to create this specific world. But the question is whether this intention is it necessary or not necessary? If it's um, not necessary, we are we are again asking where did it come from, and and um, and and um, did its cause did it you know did it have its proximate cause in something necessary? We know it had its ultimate cause in God, who is necessary, but was the proximate cause necessary? Um, and if we answer no again we just keep asking the question but if we answer yes then we'll say that this world was not necessary but the, the intention to create it was as necessary as god and so by extension by transitive logic the world becomes seems to become as necessary as god so the the issue is that if it's a linear causal picture and determinism is in 
this this line anywhere, then it's kind of there everywhere. And so the thing is, what if we want to have genuine contingency in the picture, such that um, God did not have to create this world, but he did? What if we want to have, or just, you know, genuine contingency or indeterminacy of any kind? What's the sort of structure we're going to end up with? And um, we're going to end up with a loop. I don't know if you can still hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you yeah, see? I'm. Yeah. Okay. And um, so we end up with a loop, and the the end causes the beginning, and the beginning causes the end. Okay. And it can be much more. There can be many more dimensions of causality in play than simply this implicitly two dimensional picture that I'm working with. But I'm saying that it's at least two dimensional, and it's not simply the one dimension of a line. And um, the there is there is there is sort of can, how to put it. The elements in this picture are are individually contingent, but the whole is somehow necessary. Um, let me see. Although you know, there, there's there's there there are, there are intricacies there are intricacies in this. Um, but, um, you know, this is, this is the, gets into the, the interesting view of Christopher Langan, um, who seems to speak of God from within this, from, from the standpoint of within ultimate reality. He seems to speak of God as self-creating. He seems to speak of, well, first of all, he equates God with the universe, but not simply the physical universe, the real universe. The real universe contains everything real, including itself. And then as to how a set can be, the set of all sets can be self-containing, that is a question of myriology, which he addresses. Using a, a myriology, really not unlike that of consciousness, which seems to have two dimensions, with, like a space-like dimension and a time-like dimension. Or you can say um, an information dimension and a cognition dimension. Or you can say a state dimension and a syntax dimension. There's many different ways you can cash it out, lower and higher. Um, it's not it's not to strictly equate it with the three spatial dimensions and the fourth uh, temporal dimension of Einsteinian space-time, but it is to say that Einsteinian space-time has lower and higher dimensional analogs. I hope that's not too, like, whatever. But um, um, and I'm not trying to get too fancy with it because there's get definitely hard limits to my own understanding. Maybe everything that I'm saying is BS, but um. So the idea is that God is the real universe. Um, God is the universe, but understood as the real universe. It's the self-containing set of all sets. He's imminent and transcendent. Understand panentheism here as like the sort of the limit of theological accuracy um, that that um, is desired in every theological system implicitly. But um, to you know, I don't know that any. I don't know that any perfectly satisfactory account of it has yet been worked out or even could in principle beyond a certain level of uh, generosity or genericness. Um, now, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so God is, God is the real universe and he is from within himself self-creating, which is to say everywhere you look, there is a causal story of derivation and process. There is not the phone that magically springs into existence, but when you look behind, there's 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 nothingness. There's no trail 
of causal connection. This is to say that this is a picture in which there is always a trail of causal connection, if only one that terminates in its own beginning, such that the end causes the beginning and the beginning causes the end. So now we're getting at an idea where um, it's like an anthropic principle, uh -huh. where just as um, you might say that the, the Big Bang and evolution were, were necessary for the development of human consciousness, so in retrospect it may be that human consciousness was, was necessary um, uh, uh, for the reality of these conditions to, to emerge, because consciousness is a fundamental condition of um, you know what we what we understand is like physical reality and, and, and space time. Arguably, this is Langan's position that he lays out in his, one of his essays on the nature of time, um, and 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 the the possibilities of bidirectional causation. Um, which, you know, there's obviously quantum physics, as you might imagine, it gets invoked. The ideas of of entanglement and far future, like like the the collapse of a far future wave function may have implications in the deep past. So it's this kind of atemporal, bidirectional, at least, causal picture. Really, n-directional, because it's more than just a loop. But it's I'm saying it's at least a loop, it's not just a line. And so it's like here we're getting at the idea that just as God, um, or excuse me, just as humanity has a sort of original divinity, we might say with David Bentley Hart and You Are Gods, so also, um, God has an original humanity. And so now the, the figure of Jesus Christ is becoming more than metaphor and more than, than metaphysical accident. This is something which is, you know, like Robert Jensen envisions time as a helix. And at the center of that helix always is uh, uh, the figure of the crucified Jesus Christ. And so, okay. where where the where the end and the beginning, um, you know, feed into each other by direction. You can ask whether creation is created at the, you know, just before the Garden of Eden, or is it created on the cross? There's sort of um, goodness gracious, I'm listening. Right. Uh, I I don't want to interrupt your monologue, but this is I think this is somewhere where. Uh, I kind of want to hang out for a bit or something to make sure I'm tracking right. If that's um, you, why don't you do that? And I'll pull up my notes so that I can okay. find the part where I talked about this. Okay. So you're, you're, um, cause you made the statement, uh, humanity has an original divinity. And so I think maybe one thing to clarify would be, you brought this up to me recently too, is, um, the lineage of Jesus. You trace that back and it goes to Adam and then it says, Adam's the son of God. I got so, that from Andrew Cronich, by the way. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's yeah, like it. that, but that's, I think, um, probably a key thing to point on in case people want to try to object to that or something, that statement, um, that humanity does have an original divinity in that. God oh, was, it's about to Adam get real made... weird. My dog It's about to get super weird. That's like when I asked Sam Adams, what is the difference between when this Pentecostalism and, um, and, um, uh, but like Orthodox Christianity versus Unitarianism. And so he said, Orthodox Christianity says, uh, Jesus is God. Uh, but, but in, 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 in oneness Pentecostalism, God is Jesus. 
So I'm actually tending in this potentially heretical direction. Let's go there. Um, let's go there. Let me bust out these notes. Hold on, bust it out. So what's okay. the what, what would you what would you define as the difference between someone saying um, Jesus is God and God is? Let Jesus? me let me let me just let me just read these notes. Okay. Because because in, in in Jesus is God, we have like this tri-personal picture, but and underneath it is a Godhead. Okay. Which is. I don't know. Is that Godhead personal itself? So there's a fourth person. Is it impersonal? Is it transpersonal? Or if it is personal, then is it like is it, it is it almost that the most fundamental figure of God that like almost overshadows the whole Trinity is is Jesus? So like this is like almost like oneness Pentecostalism or something. But let me read this. Um, okay, I said. I have never been convinced by the Unitarian objections that the Incarnation is a priori impossible, but neither have I ever been convinced by any Christian lines of reasoning that the Atonement, or even the Incarnation more broadly, is in any way necessitated or explained, that the all-powerful and all-rational God, who does nothing for arbitrary reasons, should choose or be compelled by his nature to walk the earth in human form is a mystery to me, and I feel the force of the critics here that if the belief cannot be rationally motivated, it should be jettisoned, or at least not assigned high importance, such high importance, such cardinal importance as it is assigned in Christian theology. Again, from a rationalist frame, I'm saying now from a mystical one, obviously, you know, you can, but, um, and yet, it is this very point where I also most strongly feel the force of Augustine's words, si comprehendis known as deus, if you understand it, it's not God. But now I even proceed to try to understand it, so this is where I'm kind of you know, doing something arguably dangerous and dumb. He stands in the absolute center. So, oh yeah, think of a torus, okay? Like it's this nice shape, and in the middle is like a, um, like a little vortex type hole. You know, it's like a almost like an apple core, but it's negative space. It's empty, so it's a torus. And I'm seeing, envisioning Jesus in the center of this torus. Um. Through his death, the creator turned the universe inside out. God knows us, knowing him, knowing us, uh, knowing him, knowing us through him. He is that. Jesus Christ is that that process. In our conversation, I said it's the perfect type. Uh, I, I guess I was writing this to Wayne. In our conversation, I said if the perfect type can become a token, then that token could never itself take on a defined value, but would have uh, to be eternally explored. The incarnation as a kind of divine drasta effect, an infinite uh, two-way reflection of mirrors. Uh, Langan weirdly speaks of God creating himself as opposed to just being uncaused. If this is true, then the human Christ, ordinarily thought of as the culmination or goal, is very much the alpha as well as the omega. Christ's death can be seen, uh, therefore, as a cosmogonic singularity, the real Big Bang, the Gnostic God explosion, and the Kabbalistic Simpsons the cross as the original kenosis. So it's like if you're reading time back, um, the cross is the beginning. It's the sort of simple idea here. Um, can you still see me and hear me? Yeah, I, I can. I'm just thinking. I'm trying to process and keep up. So in a sort of bi-directional view of time, this is arguably legitimate. So this gets into the idea of mercy creating reality. Um, that we were talking about with the prodigal son and with um, Pope Francis' answer to that that boy who asked if his father was in heaven. 
Um, do, 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 do. So, yeah, okay. So, good. Do, you, do you want to go into that a little more or share that? Uh, like what we're, what that we're referencing? There's still okay. one more point I wanted to cover okay. in the mini lecture before we get there. Okay. So I wanted to talk about, um, right. So, so, so this, this, our having a human form, is that, in, is that just an, what is it, what does it mean? That you're in the human form. What does it mean to be in the image of God? Is that something more abstract? Just well, if you're conscious, you're in the image of God because God is just consciousness in some abstract sense. Or is to be in the image of God really to have a human form more specifically? If so, then there is something tremendously honorific, um, honor bestowing about about you know having this human form, which one might imagine would really anger the principalities and powers understood as like the, the, the greater angels and the, the more powerful demons and so on. Um, you know, from a sort of Islamic perspective where like, for example, where Iblis or, or Satan falls from grace at the moment when he refused to bow to Adam when God commanded him to do so. So because God himself walks in human form on this picture, then because, because I'm uh, how to put it, it's not that Christ was the end. Christ was also the beginning. Um, Christ is Alpha and Omega. And when it says Christ, it means Jesus Christ, not some abstract Christ consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so, so that almost to speak of God walking in the garden is not, is not anthropic metaphor. Um, uh, so this is, this is, these are thoughts that I've kind of had and I'm increasingly kind of almost led there um, and but you know just take them for whatever they're worth in the beginning I had a very shall we say Copernican view of this thing where humankind is not at the center but now I have the kind of anti-Copernican Wayne Fair kind of view where, where the human form in the form of Jesus Christ like the only existent one and the ultimate human being uh from before the beginning and after the end, um, uh, this this human form is at the center, and that it is actually the mediation between heaven and earth. That human humankind was instrumental to God's ooh, dare we even say self creative purposes, at least as far as the manifest God, the second person of my sort of understanding of the Trinity which is, can also be understood as the divine nature of Christ. So that, how to put it, I talked about, I talked about, um, uh, um, goodness. oh my goodness, so many notifications are just, okay, I said that in applying mercy, the father dies to himself, but the father's death to self is effortless, and we may call that divine impassibility, because his love is perfect, and that is the Zoe Ionios. And that if we all had that, that would be theosis. Um, so, 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 um, the, it's like the divine nature already died to itself. Like creation was its ego death. That was to experience all the pain and co suffer with humankind and every sentient creature, all the pain that creation would entail. That was the price of creation. But God paid it at the outset in his divine nature. Or the second person paid it at the outset in his divine nature, you might say. And then in the person of Jesus Christ, or 
or excuse me, of Jesus of Nazareth, the human nature also touched all the way down. And God himself, you know, touched touched all the way to the, the nethermost point of non-existence in Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ died in his human nature. Mm. And it's like from that, that is the that is the that's the point where you can turn the universe inside out like the Taurus. Yeah, what is it? Is this the Taurus like the the um the gosh, geometric what? shape? The geometric shape. Um I'm not sure I'm even familiar with that. Um yeah, if you pull it up. The, uh let's see. I I mean maybe I, let me see. I'm looking at images right now. So it is from the constellation. Is it taken from that? Like the circle with the Let me it see. It looks here. like a sphere. It looks, it looks like a like, sphere but Okay, I'm going to I'm going to share screen really quick just so we can make sure we're on the same page here. Let's see. Uh share screen. Let's see. All right, is this this it here? This picture, like this shape, it's like a donut. That'll work. I I just had in mind the 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 the, the torus with a with a much smaller center, a much smaller hole in the center. It's so small, it's like you can barely see it. Oh, almost. okay. Um, so how do you spell that? Because I'm spelling it like torus, like T-O. oh no 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 T T O R U S. Okay. Um, maybe because I was spelling it. Okay, yeah, this makes. You don't even sense, need though. to say geometric. I see what you're saying. That like this. I'm from. I've that, seen this before. That, okay, that's right. And understand mm-hmm. now the, the 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 top flowing into the bottom and the bottom flowing up to the top through that hole. So this is again humankind central to God's um, self. You might say again self creative. I hope I've sufficiently qualified that that phrase self-creative purpose because he's the the mediation between heaven and earth uh between um between the universal and the particular the generic and the specific um the 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 the, the pattern and the instance you know um uh in in terms of you might say in langanian terms the stratified manifold that 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 reality and ultimate reality are and for maybe more on that you can listen to a little talk that i gave on my podcast not to make it all about me and my ideas which i already succeeded in doing (laughs) but i don't know maybe that that starts by sketching a a picture so in other words humankind was necessary for god to unite heaven and earth in his ultimate creative purpose um i'm trying to pull this this thing back up oh no you're sharing the screen you are here let me let me stop and then you can no share. that's fine yeah, go no, ahead. That, that's all no no sure. um i think that's all i really wanted to say unless we wanted to talk about also the um uh the the you know what what pope francis said to to emanuele um and uh you know in, the, in that famous slash infamous video um where uh, a little boy asks the pope um he or tries to ask a question, but he's so overcome with emotion that that he can't get the words out. And then Pope Francis invites him up to the to the dais or the podium to whisper the question in his ear. And that moment is so uh, uh, stirring that you know one one imagines or one wonders whether the thing was staged if it had to be staged because it's just so so perfect, you know, optically speaking. But um, in this video, oh yeah, play it. I'm gonna play, play it. All right, yeah. let me let me make sure I got the uh, share. Let's see more. Where is it? Share computer sound. All right. If it. I- 
Can you can you hear that? Oh yes. Okay, all right. At a poor parish on the forgotten outskirts of Rome, April 15th, Pope Francis began by answering questions from some of the youngest parishioners, including a boy named Emanuele. Dai, 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 dai. Vieni, vieni, vieni da me, Emanuele. Vieni da me e dimmi dall'orecchio. Dimmi dall'orecchio. Vieni. Vieni, vieni, vieni da me. Vieni. Vieni. Io ho chiesto, ho chiesto permesso a Emanuele di dire in pubblico la domanda e lui mi ha detto di sì, per questo la dirò. Poco tempo fa è, mancato, viene a, a, è venuto a mancare mio papà. E lui era ateo, ma... Ci ha fatto battesare a tutti e quattro figli. E era un uomo bravo. E in cielo, papà? Non era credente, ma ha fatto battesare i figli. Aveva il cuore buono. E lui ha il dubbio che il papà... Per non essere credente non potesse andare in cielo. Chi dice che va in cielo è Dio. Ma com'è il cuore di Dio davanti a un papà così? Com'è? Cosa vi sembra a voi? Un cuore di papà. Dio ha un cuore di papà. E davanti a un papà che non credente è stato capace di battesare i figli.
e di darle quella bravura ai figli. Voi pensate che Dio sarebbe capace di lasciarlo lontano da te? Pensate a quello? Ma forte, con coraggio. Dio abbandona i suoi figli? Dio abbandona i suoi figli quando sono bravi? Ecco, Emanuele, questa è la risposta. Dio sicuramente era fiero di tuo papà, perché è più facile, essendo credente, battesare i figli che essendo non credente battesarlo. E sicuramente a Dio questo è piaciuto tanto. Parla con tuo papà, prega tuo papà. So uh, we want to break that down. I just realized how unbearable that might be for people listening to a podcast format. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> hold on. Give me one second. Just okay. give me one second. I have to step away. Okay. Yeah. It's like perfect timing. Right? Yeah, Kyle's com just coming back. We just shared this video of Pope Francis. Um, So we're going to break it down anyway. Maybe I can do that. Because uh, after we played it, it's all like in Italian too. So I'm like, this has got to be unbearable for podcast format. Like nobody can watch this. It's just kind of some music in the background. Basically, it was a child. And he said, um, he was asking the Pope a uh, question. He said, my dad um, wasn't a believer, uh, but he, he had four children. He had all of us baptized. And he was a good man. Is my dad in hell? Because he wasn't a believer. And Pope Francis said basically answered and said um uh, your father's had the heart of a father which is god's heart so your father would be in heaven he doesn't cast he doesn't just abandon his children so that was kind of his answer to him um it's kind of a compelling video because the, the kids like when you see the kid's face you're just like man that's that's heart-wrenching that the kid's in turmoil over this question um So that's, that's where we left off. And Cal did a nice monologue, um, and then we did the video. And so now we're right here. You're on mute, by the way, but... Um, how did you find this video? How did, I don't know. Cal found it, and he sent it to me this morning. So here's been my day. Like, I, I was up late watching the new Game of Thrones episode, and so then I go to bed, and then I will sleep. I sleep in, so I didn't have to work today. And then I wake up, and Cal's doing all this, like, I got messages from him and I'm like, man, my head's probably not in a good space. So I feel like I'm just trying to piece things together um, and keep up at this point. But I just grabbed a diet do so this will help me out here. I was trying coffee, but it doesn't do it. I need some bubbly. A diet do. So I'll get there. But um I think we're probably going to get into that article. Um, I can, I don't know if I should pause it again. I'm not really sure. I don't know what was it, but the, I think we'll probably get into the article somewhat. And maybe, I mean, we won't read the whole thing, but explain that because I think it's all related. Because here's another thing I'll share the screen again um, because Cal, brief run through, he was kind of talking about the beginning point of God also being the end point. And, um, And exploring the idea even with creation, like God, in a sense, when he created humanity, uh, humanity, humanity was created in his divinity. 
in that if you trace back the genealogy of Jesus, it said it goes to Adam and it says Adam, the son of God. And so God created man in his likeness. And then, and so in that same way, um, God has a like divine humanity or some sense. Um, but he brought up this image. Uh, you might be <laughs> more familiar with it. I thought it was kind of a compelling image as like a, I guess kind of like a process of creation, everything flowing out and flowing back into itself. Uh, he has the beginning and the end type thing. Um, so I'm not sure exactly where he wants to go from that. He mentioned mercy. And so, you know, that joke came up about my eyes pop open. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this so far? I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say. About it. I, I wonder if I misunderstood the point about Jesus's genealogy because well I, I recognize the point he has the descendancy through some important biblical figures but anybody else you could have chosen would have also had a direct lineage to Adam yeah yeah so I think that's I think that's kind of the, the point he's making is that a um, yeah we all uh, we all trace back to Adam in a sense but that um, creation he he Callus, the question: Did creation happen at the formation of the world, or did it happen at the cross, or is it both, sort of thing? And so it's kind of that. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm more interested in what he has to say too. I want to ask some more questions, but the because I was about to bring this up to him as well because it says, you know, Adam was created in God's image. And then when uh, this is the genealogy of Adam in the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So it's like, is there this deviation from God's image at that point? And then it goes all the way up to Jesus. And then it, the divine humanity is reflected in the divine div, I don't know is divine God form or something I have no idea I, I'd like to I mean like you said I kind of just want to ask questions and listen I don't know do you guys start talking about mercy I might I might start ramble my mouth and spit out something stupid but. <laughs> I don't know about you I feel oftentimes when we do this kind of thing I tell myself all right this is going to be the time that I keep my mouth shut <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know. Jason, no. do you edit do you edit your videos? No. <laughs> just just <laughs> yeah, send yeah. them. Yeah. I actually like I there was a part in the one I posted last night where I had a pausing point as well. And then I didn't even go back to look to see if it worked. I just uploaded the video and I was like, man, I hope that I hope that went through. <laughs> like I did actually pause. Hey Cal. Are you, so, hi, is is there now a question over whether even the video displayed? during the the playing of the Pope Francis video or no, 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 no. Uh, we were just, I was trying to catch Craig up and I probably did an absolutely miserable job. Um, but oh, so if you kind of want, if you kind of want to do some more of that, cause, but then we were talking, he asked if I edited my videos at all. And I was like, no, it just goes straight. Up, so yeah, <laughs> but it was the, time for that. The, the edited videos, Craig, you, you have to, you know, shell out stop being such a cheapskate you have to become a patreon on the almond tree um subscriber list you know it's not it's not 
you know, the premium content, it has a paywall. I don't know how many times this has to be explained, but um, the, uh, yeah, no. So we, we played the video, Craig, you're on mute in case you didn't know, but so we played the video um, and we were like lively unaware that, you know, most of the listeners do not speak Italian. Um, so, but if you already re-explained it to Craig, then it should be good. I did, and then I shared the the image with him of the Taurus or whatever. And then, the, oh man, the that, that's image. like that's like what I just I had like a mini lecture on like the theological motivation for the incarnation, but it was like from a process theism point of view, and it was totally weird and strange. And Jason was were you confused or did you did it actually make sense to you? Um. <laughs> The way the way you're talking about everything makes sense to me in the way that I I ex- I think I try to explain the whole truth and mercy thing. And truth, forgive- truth and, on the and, mercy seat, and that's why we played the Pope Francis video. In forgiveness that I keep going on about, and I'm saying that's and when I try to say that's the the bedrock of all things, sort of that that idea. Because, but the reason I think I use those words is because it's the same thing if people would say unconditional love, because that's what forgiveness the act of forgiveness kind of is it's saying you don't deserve this like here um so but i I don't know like all those words i don't know if those words register in my head the same way and i think that's where i run into trouble because even my mom said that she was like when you say forgiveness that i don't think that means to most people what it means to you or when you say mercy it's like it doesn't click in your head the same way and i think maybe that some of that is because like i said i'm extremely like i'm not well read at all like i basically just didn't read most of anything my whole life. And so I, when I came back to the Bible a few years ago, I just read it over and over and over. And so, and I stuck to one translation. So these words that pop up in my Bible over and over, over, it's kind of like, I kind of had a, I think the I reworked them. To I see. Conceive, the way that I conceive your conception of forgiveness is, is as like a kind of elastic band. It's like this. Things, such that, such that no matter how far you push those things apart, they remain connected. Uh-huh. That is what holds reality together in terms of its definition of being composed of mutually related items. Mm-hmm. Two items that were completely non-relational um, and had no meaningful relationship to each other whatsoever would inhabit entirely separate realities, which would do violence to the notion that there is one overarching un- unified reality, namely ultimate reality, in-, in whom we live and move and have our being. So forgiveness for you is is like it's almost a, it's an action. It's the give, um, the 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 infinite give, which mm-hmm. is which is between any two persons and their relationship. There is no sin that is beyond forgiveness. Even what we termed like the unforgivable sin is better translated as the unpardonable sin. Meaning that it's that it cannot be pardoned. The sentence has to be served because that's the only way that a person's spiritual well-being can be served in that case. Um, um, but because because the one who could commute the sentence they have not recognized as a judge, you know, is one way to look at that kind of scenario. But um, I wanted to kind of talk about like the kind of riffing that we were doing this morning with respect to the Pope Francis video and the, the kind of the conclusion where uh, ultimately mercy creates reality. Um, and that, that's sort of what I was talking about earlier with respect to the theological motivation for the incarnation where atonement and creation do not ultimately end up looking so different. 
the beginning and the end in this um, bi-directional loop-like picture, um, you know, point to each other and, um, and, and um, presuppose each other. And what is from one perspective, the, the end can from the, the other perspective be seen as the beginning. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, like uh, the, the, um, and I'm sorry for just jumping around, just like totally crazy. But you know, there's the the the, the thoughts that um, I had a, that I was trying to share on the, the Pope Francis video this morning. It's like, um, you know, like I could get into that or not. I, I maybe I need to check myself because I'm going a mile a minute. Uh, but uh, well, the when you mentioned, um, so I'll say this. I kind of want to hear what Craig has to say as well. But the um, the idea of like. The beginning it being also being the end and it being created through mercy um what immediately comes to my head is like if you look, look at just jesus like in his timeline it's like that's that's how it begins it begins in mercy and it ends in mercy like it begins where does it be and it begins in his mother's womb and so it's like that's sorry if that popped up, text message popped up so like what is he doing he's receiving mercy from his creation like god is receiving mercy from his own creation in the womb like he's like you could ask whether Jesus is that is that like when Gabriel came to Mary, and 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 she said to to me, "Be as it pleases God." Yeah, I guess so. But a baby in the womb, what is it doing? It's like it's got nothing. It's got he's his getting, mother. He's getting mercy from Mary. Yeah, yeah, it's getting it's That's getting when, life when Mary, from Mary. When Mary agreed to to when Mary said, "Just let it be as it pleases God," that was like the yeah, yeah. And so his whole infancy, he had to. He's receiving from his own creation, from Joseph and Mary, sort of. He's they're providing for him. He's, truth on the mercy seat. The mercy seat is a covering, like unless I'm totally mistaken, it's a covering for like a rear end, for like butt cheeks. But in what case does God literally have um, a butt? <laughs> it's in the case where the infant Emmanuel sits on Mary's the lap, lap of his mother Mary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is really compelling image. I remember when you brought that up. Yeah, that's fascinating. And then it ends in mercy too. Like when then it ends and his his creation kills him. Father, says, forgive them. Forgive them, Lord. They, they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that's absolutely. Yeah. So and then I mean, even I mean, even if you look at that too, and then it's like just some weird pattern too, because it begins in the womb. Uh and then it then it's in the tomb. Like then his body's in the tomb after that. And then you have another Mary praying outside the tomb. Uh, then the resurrection and it's like what is happening here like this is a weird pattern that's like repeating that is amazing like yeah that's true that's true one of the one of the most interesting and disturbing images that ever came to me because well, i don't know like um because because um you know i was i was praying to hail mary but it seemed to me that many um like um, inappropriate thoughts were coming into my mind um simply because the the object of my attention in that case was was female there were like inappropriate thoughts and so so i i i i prayed to jesus to 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 shield me from them which is kind of weird you know it's like you're praying to mary so you can get to jesus but you're invoking jesus now to, to successfully pray to mary but um um the i and an image, all different images came to my mind of, of Jesus. Um, and, and one of them was of him in the tomb, dead. And his face was, was gray and still. Um, 
And um, I, for whatever reason, no one ever meditates on the mystery of Jesus as he lay in state between his death and resurrection. Um, but in, in that, that prayer, it, the image came to me. Um, and um, anyway, um, that, that's kind of, I, yeah, that's, it's like, that's not a mystery of the rosary. But it was like, in its way, its weird way, it was a mystery of my rosary. Um, but, uh, anyway, let's, it's, uh, let's, let's talk for a second about the, the association between the second Mary standing outside of the tomb, because it's a very subtle point. I, I'm curious to hear you guys unpack that a little more. Well, I'm still not quite sure what all to make of it completely. I know the tomb is very, it is, it is a womb, like the, the tomb is the same thing as a womb. Um, uh, for you're created from the earth and you return to the earth. You go back to it and then you await uh, to be. What does Job say? I shall uh, be like basically be with the resurrection when you'll be born, reborn in God's likeness. Let me see if I can find the specific part. Uh, what does he say? Um, oh, that you would hide me in the grave, that you would conceal me until your wrath is past, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait till my change comes. You shall call and I will answer you. You shall desire the work of your hands. Um, but then it's just, it's fascinating to me that it begins with uh, the weird thing to it. See, I'm still not sure what to make of it because it just gets crazy because it begins with a virgin and it ends with a whore, <laughs> like sort of, which I don't know what necessarily to make of that because su supposedly Mary Magdalene is, I don't know if she was necessarily a whore, but that's the, like consensus image is that she was and so you know, man my my wife is studying Mary Magdalene right now really? and yes and it it seems like there's not really any evidence for her you know being a prostitute but I, I'll, I'll say as a passing note there's a large amount of people who think that Mary Magdalene was a rich woman who was funding Jesus's ministry. I think I maybe have heard that before. Um, and I would like, but, yeah, that's but let, 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 So let's, let's imagine that she, uh, she was that type of woman and hold that idea loosely. <laughs> well, let's, let's not, Let's not let's not say that then. Let's say here's what we should say is we should say that it does say that she had seven devils. Uh, it said Mary Magdalene, out of whom Jesus cast seven devils. So in that way, we could say she was maybe defiled. So well, guys, then, guys, yeah. the 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 pericope adultery, where where um the woman who's caught in adultery is is um uh, rescued by Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, that is not in our earliest best manuscripts. Therefore, it didn't happen, and it's not reflective of who Jesus was. We can throw it away. No, no. It's yeah. like if anything was under inspiration, that was that was That's... that was total like, um, uh, complete um, uh, it, uh, unadulterated, as it were, Jesus. Yeah. That's pure Jesus. Um, and and so like, the idea that Mary was rescued from a certain lifestyle is like. I don't know. To me, it seems like that yeah. probably is right, but yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. Can I? Can I, I, I know. I know that. 
Oh, go ahead. No, no, sorry. Go. You can go ahead. I, before it takes another turn, I'd like to bring something up. On the it's mayor. a half-baked thought because I can't even remember. Was it Sherry who was helping me see? In John's Gospel, Mary mistakes Jesus for the gardener. Mm-hmm. There was some kind of symbolism there. Yeah. Um, and and um, uh, then Jesus says, cling not to me. I have not yet returned to the Father. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm returning to 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 my father and your father, um, and, and um, there's something there which I don't know. Is that the reverse? What's the word? From Mary, he is born. From this other Mary, he is departing. There's another kind of reverse reversal, mm-hmm. but I'm not symbolically smart enough to figure it out. I I'm not sure either, and it might start clicking and coming together. So like, but the other pattern or parallel whatever thing uh that i was gonna try to mention real quick is with mary and so you have the mary the virgin and then mary the defiled you could just say the whore uh, harlot whatever um if you look at ezekiel uh god goes to israel and ezekiel chapter 16 is probably one of my favorite chapters in the whole bible but he says i found you basically like a little babe in the woods you're this little virgin child you grew up you're Breast reformed, I married you, you became mine, I clothed you, you became a harlot and sold yourself to all these people. And then you continue in Ezekiel, and then there's Samaria and Judah, the two harlot sisters. Um, and then you continue in the story, and it's like then you have Israel and the church. And they both like they both start in these it's there's this pattern of starting in virginity and then moving into harlotry. And then it's like, so I don't know if there's something there. Christ begins with the virgin, lives his life. Uh, dies and then he's in the tomb and then it's like then there's the defiled one that's weeping at his tomb and that's when the resurrection happens and i'm not sure quite what to make of it but it just seems it's something incredibly profound it seems very similar to when israel or judah found itself in harlot street was carried to babylon or something and like uh when the book of lamentation is almost like this weeping uh and for to be brought back or something um, because they're kind of carried away captive the way, the same way. I don't know. It's like, I'm not sure what to make of it, but there seems to be something there of like just reflecting this, this movement of how that, uh, I guess you could say mercy works or grows or continues to create or is resurrected or reborn, or I don't know what you'd want to say. What do you guys have to say? I might have to, I'm going to mute myself and head inside and start annoying. I have some things to say. I think that they're in the same vein as what you were just talking about, but they're about the prodigal son and they're about what Pope Francis said. But before I do that, I want to actually yield the floor to Craig in case Craig can 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 add anything to what you were saying there. Because what I'm going to say is going to be a little bit of a detour. No comments. I like where we're headed. Okay. I want to see if this will play, if you guys can hear Testing, one, two, well, I've got to turn my sound on. Probably sound less underwater this way. Probably it's better audio quality, but, um, oh, goodness, who called me? No one, I hope. Um, let me go here. Um, do, 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 do. Um, it's time to get to, well, let me just see. 
so when I watched the Pope Francis video, um, it was shared by the Protestant Christian Universalist Peter Heat or Height. And on his post on Facebook where he shared the video, there were comments, one of which was um, uh, that in, in Pope Francis' remarks here, the gospel of the obsolete gospel of Jesus Christ is shredded up and discarded um, like so much waste paper. Um, and this is this is what something that Jason always gets into where it's like you don't want to have just mercy or you don't want to have just truth. This comment can be regarded as like just truth or it's the the extreme of harsh truth and it puts one in mind of the um because it, it seems to be saying, unless the harsh truth is applied to this kid, my reward means nothing to me, or will mean nothing. And this is similar to the, the brother of the prodigal son saying, Father, you never sacrificed, you never slaughtered a goat for, for me and my friends to celebrate. And yet now you're killing the fatted calf um, for him who was returned. And... Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if I can just lay the, because I can't even recover the, the trains of thought as well now as, as I did in the recordings. But at the same time, I, I seem to be struggling to find the recordings. Maybe you guys can hear it. Maybe you can't. Maybe the audio is terrible. Yeah. This idea of truth, all the mercy. Too, too terrible. You can't, you can't hear it. You can or you can't? I, I can hear it. Okay. Because, you know, it's like sort of the... the the equally uh, objectionable answer, um, like uh, on the on the mercy side, because the, the, the objectionable answer on the two side is like, well, there goes the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's all shredded up, and thrown out the window, because you know there's there's no harsh truth applied to this kid, therefore my kid doesn't mean anything. Father, uh, you never once killed a goat uh, for me and my friends to celebrate. Okay. And then on the other side, you got like the kind of uh, the, the the problem, like of all mercy, no truth. You'd be no hell universal. It should be like, bro, what are you worried about? Um, you know, telling the prodigal son, like, what are you worried about? Of course, your dad's gonna accept you back. Because the, the prodigal son wouldn't have loved his father if he wasn't, if he was not so grieved in his heart. Because here's the thing is, he, he, he is, it's not that, oh, I'm afraid my dad won't take me back. It's more that, it's like, really, um, like on a, on a, on a fundamental level, like what should be understood is happening here is like, he just feels like I should, I should burn in hell for what I did. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, it's his own, he's convicting himself because, because he, because he realized, um, he realizes, um, you know, how, how good his father was, uh, it's this kind of thing. Like you see, you, you, you see the love of someone maybe for the first time and then it's the perfect love and then so by extension. And that, that person doesn't say anything. It's like the father and the father of the son. 
and you can damn yourself because when you see it in your lungs, you see all that pollution die. So, so the thing is, without like, I guess what I'm getting at is like, if there is, if there's no consciousness of sin, there's nothing that it means to deviate from the love, then there's no love. But, um, other side. The other side would be something like, well, I mean, on some levels, like, it wouldn't be love if it didn't forgive. That's just what it does. And it finds ingenious ways of forgiving, almost. But it's not, it's not like inventing. It's not, it's not untrue. It's creating. Creating reality itself in, in that, in that action, that, in that process. Like, um, Pope Francis said something that to me, it was, um, like this might be the most objectionable part, like the the, the staunch hardliners. But where the Pope Francis said, um, he said, God, God will see that it's it's easy to baptize your children when you believe. It's harder for a non-believer. God will see that. It's like to me that part has to because uh, I I think it will be like that that God judges you. You know, even when you're 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 convicted. He's going to see things that you never saw that that would triumph and that meant everything to him. Um, and uh, yeah, like like um, yeah, it's it's <coughs> it's really it's really deep stuff, really important, awesome stuff. Well, yeah, this I, is I say it better here. is like not that oh I worry my father won't take me back. Uh, but if he did you know it's like but if he did then I would be really happy if like all our problems would be solved. You know I'm back to posting living the life. You know that's like that's just like so uh, it, that, that's like the uh, the version of the gospel where you hear the punishment of sin, not not sin itself. The, really the pain the prodigal son feels is that he knows he doesn't deserve it. If he was his judge, he would say, "No, I don't. I don't deserve to have what I used to have. Therefore, let me just be a hired hand because he doesn't deserve it." And um, but the father says he does deserve it. That's that's where the mercy comes in. That's what creates reality. Like you see, okay. So did did that make sense? The the ending part. I don't even know if you could hear it. Um, it was it was very hard to hear, Craig. What was, what's what stood out well, to you? I, I want to make sure I know what you're emphasizing. It sounds like you're emphasizing the fact that the son thought that he wasn't worthy, and the father said, "You are worthy," and that was the creative element of the story. Say more about that. So, I guess this is the. Put my headphones back in. Just a second. My favorite signature move that Cal does is quoting Cal. I think that's the quintessential uh, move that you make. I love it. Which is like so ridiculous. It really it's, is. it's really endearing. You're Hello. it's really endearing. You'll be like this is I quote this, myself. This reminds me of that thing I said. <laughs> let me let me let me pull it up. Oh man. It's so funny. <laughs> so pull so that up, Jamie. 
it's it's pretty inexcusable because like I get on Jason for not reading anything other than Calvin and Hobbes in the Bible, but you know, I don't quote any theologians other than myself, but like like any theologian other my other than myself would be like infinitely more qualified to like speak on what I'm trying to speak on kind of thing. Um so but let me let me think about this. I mean Here can I can I can I say this because like because this is what I this is what I ended I'm and now I have to paraphrase myself because quoting myself is too absurd so let me just paraphrase myself there there was the um that what I finished that recording saying was that the near death experience of Mellon Thomas Benedict who at the time he had his near death experience was an atheist suffering from terminal brain cancer and was in hospice care and um he dies and he goes to God but for God he has no reverence um, he simply asks um, uh, who who were you it's like where did you get off creating such a fallen and dark and ugly and irredeemable species as ourselves you know who were you to do that and how dare how dare you um And um, God, God leads Mel and Thomas into a mandala, where he either um, ascends up or descends down. It makes no difference in that space. And in the mandala, he sees every human being who um, who had lived, who was living, who would ever live. He sees every human being who ever lived. And in God's sight, they were all completely sinless and and uh, without blemish they were all completely justified and then in in a kind of almost divine gaslighting god asks god asks mel and thomas oh were they were they so dark and ugly as all that i see no sin in them and this is very very strange and interesting because on one level you might say that it's like for god the end is is the beginning um or yeah the end is the beginning he only sees humanity in light of the atonement of jesus christ and so it's like so so what i guess what i'm getting at is like um that when god god said you are worthy despite the obvious fact you know from the mouth of the accuser or the devil that he's not somehow that was like tantamount to was it was it was it resurrection or was it simple creation i i'm not sure but it's like it's like he was speaking him into being at that moment, it seems to me, because it was it was from the standpoint of, of the love that 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 he bears, which finds no fault and sees no blemish in spite of in spite of endless um, or, or immeasurable fault and, and guilt and, and sin. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, maybe that went some way toward answering the question. I hear what you're saying. The the association doesn't seem explicit, certainly to me. Um, and maybe maybe I don't get it yet because I, I no, wouldn't, it's just I wouldn't that's how I think that very very lateral, like off track. Yeah, I, I'm. I think that's a great thing. I you know I, I maybe let me zoom out for a second here and say what I think we're up to, and you guys tell me if you agree. What we're doing, it seems like, is we're looking at 
this tradition in the scripture and we're trying to find, we're talking about the patterns that are fundamental in this thing that aren't necessarily obvious. We were talking about, there's this, there's a pattern, which I think this is what the Taurus was about, of kind of feeding in this kind of recursive feedback loop. And that's not explicit anywhere in the text, but it seems like it, <laughs> right, it, it seems like we're trying to make a case that it is there in its fundamental. What do you think about that? I think we should just believe what the Bible says. There isn't any verse about a Taurus, therefore just throw it all away. Just, or or just a mandala, it. but that's the thing. If you look at it from the top, it kind of looks like a mandala. And when you get those weird motion pictures of the mandala, it kind of looks like it's flowing out and pulling back in all at the same time. Oh, that's time. super cool. And to me, Thank you. <laughs> the the pattern the pattern isn't an image. The image is getting that like see this is this is kind of to me what gets into the development of language like you talked, which has helped me, Craig. Like when we've talked about that is like that's a language. That image of a mandala is, is just a language. It's trying to it's trying to encompass an idea. And to me, what that image shows is something like this pattern of forgiveness because it is uh, continually. Let's see if I let me share it just one more time. Uh, let's see go back this one like it's continually giving out and pulling back to itself it's like it's everything's connected in that that whatever ball whatever could continually expand and grow bigger and bigger and it always pulls back to the center and continually like the universe could keep expanding in that um because forgiveness pulls back to itself pulls back to its center no matter how far you go it like finds a way uh, it doesn't let go. And that's like, even if you're out as far as you can be in the pit of hell or something, it's like, it still somehow has this connection to you. Like getting back to, so maybe this is, I'm trying to tie this into the, when I watched the video of the child and, um, and Pope Francis, it wasn't Pope Francis said his, his father was a good person. And to me, that's got nothing to do with it. Like, to me, the reason his father would be in heaven is because the child loves the father. Like, that's the only reason. Because the child's, because the child's gonna, who's gonna break that love? Like, who's gonna break that bond? It's like, like that, to me, that's like what it says in Romans, like, shall tribulation or sword or any of this. Like, who's gonna break that bond of like, of unrelentless, like, forgiving love that's gonna continually, forgive even if his dad hated him even if his dad life after life stabbed the child killed the child if the child still is like forgive him lord he doesn't know what he does like it's like there's this still there's this connection until the child turns his turns his back but you need both like that's what i'm saying you need both like one face is like forgiveness the other is repentance and like you would need the father to turn back and look at the child but it's like the child's not gonna like go and so the dad may keep drifting further and further apart but it's like still this this line is trying the forgiveness or something. This forgiving spirit is continually trying to pull him back into the, into the, the, the center. I guess. So let let's remember what it says that that um, Roy Jesus, you know, on the cross he says, "Father, forgive them; they know not what they do." And then Paul says that in in the dying, um, uh, Jesus. Uh, you know, God, God was present. God was in Jesus, reconciling the world to Himself, reconciling all things to Himself. 
So that forgiveness is the action of pulling to self. That is, that is, which is also like in another way, it's, the, it's a creative action. Or if you like, it's, it's just the, like if creation is the beginning, it's the end of the same process, but you can flip it around and, and look at it bi-directionally and take the end as the beginning and the, the beginning as the end and it works just as well kind of thing. I don't know. Um, uh, but, but yeah, though, I think, you know, the idea that forgiveness is a pulling to self and it's what holds the world together. Um, you know, like that, uh, I think that's like that, that is there in, in, uh, you know, the gospel and in, in Paul, uh, in the gospels and in Paul, uh, where, where God is, where God is in Christ reconciling all things to himself. What are your thoughts, Craig? We talked about a creative element. And we we're talking about the prodigal son, and we we're talking about a pulling together element. Mm -hmm. Are you are you too explicitly relating that to an aspect of the, the Taurus image, or is that too far? I, 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 if you're not trying to, I just want to know that you're not trying to. But if you are trying to, I don't want to miss it. I don't. I think the tor uh I don't want to be tricky here. I think the Taurus image is relating to the idea, if that makes sense. I think I think they're both related. Like I what I'm saying is like I think the Taurus image is a good representation of the idea of the creative force. Because the where I would say the the spirit of forgiveness maybe is a better way to say it. Where it's a creative force is that it it puts the tree in the garden, right? Like it puts the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. So it's like it it allows the creature to exist of itself. And so it's like in that act of, of allowing it, um, like it has, it has to have this give, like this give it, like it, it lets the creature be its own. It lets the creature go off um, and kind of fall and stumble and sin, but it's still like pulling back. It's not going to let go no matter how far it goes. It's like it, but it has to do that in order to have something other to love. Like you would want, Otherwise, you're just loving yourself sort of thing. And you don't, it allows the creature to have free will. And that's kind of mm -hmm. what the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you're giving the thing the opportunity to exalt itself above you, to to have its own identity, right? And so that's, and so that's where I think forgiveness is a creating force because it's letting it go, but then it's pulling it back in when it, when it rebels uh, instead Genius. of just, yeah. There you go. So you 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 got at how this, there's actually something creative about it. Yeah. So it's like it, and I don't know. And that's a weird thing. Like I don't know if it's just semantics. I don't really know how, because that's how forgiveness kind of is in my head. And I'm like, it's not. Um, and so in the same way, it's not. I always have to be clear. Like it's not flattery. Like it's not. Like you don't lose the center point or something. You don't lose the divine image. You never lose that. Like it's not like oh, you can just go like do whatever but it's like it allows and then it pulls back to the to the divine image like it lets you find your own identity but it pulls you back to the one true identity at the same time the highest goal the telos everything um in mm. uh in that way it like demands repentance at the same time it like continually <laughs> forgives because it'll it, it's, it's weird like the father of that child I don't know that I would have told the child your father's in heaven, but I would say he'll be there. 
because you're not going to turn your back on him. Like he could be in hell, like who knows, because who knows if he's repented or something. Cause I think it does take a turning back. Um, I would say he probably isn't uh, just going off from the little bit that child give. It sounds like, but like who can make that call other than God, but it's like you're the love of Christ working through the child is going to extend through the child, even to the father and not let go until uh, and it just continually pulls back in. Um, but that's, I think what we're doing here is we're trying, this is why to, should to be sneak in, we're trying to sneak in our weird universalist theology in every way, every For possible sure. way we can. Every that's, time, that's what, <laughs> which Pope Francis was trying to do too, in, in fairness. Um, <laughs> so if we, if we have Pope Francis through our secret machinations, we don't, we, we don't even need a Pope Jason. Um, well, the create the creative force of forgiveness too. Like I was thinking about this the other day, and it's like it seems like it's it's always there on the outset. Like even with when you look at masculine and feminine, if you look at it the way Peugeot talks about, like you have a um, if you if you want you see a forest, so you see all this feminine potential, you see all these trees, whatever, and then you get in your idea ahead of like a cabin or something. So you have like the masculine idea is like it's a heavenly idea. It's formed. It's solid. It's like has structure. It's orderly, order in the chaos. And so the forest is potential. It's all chaos. And uh, feminine has to die. It has to give of itself. And the masculine has to give of itself in order for them to come together. Because the cabin you build is probably not going to be the perfect one you imagined in your head. So the order has to give of itself a little. It has to kind of get on the cross, <laughs> die a bit. And whereas the feminine has to give of herself maybe even more so than the masculine, you could say. I don't know. So there's always like this giving uh, creative force. I don't know. I'd like to hear your thoughts, Craig, because... What you just said, I think, was a, a strong association. A lot of the other things we've discussed seem a little too... They're loose associations, so they don't really feel very... Uh, feel like things that I can pursue. I don't know if we're going to make much ground on them. I could be wrong about that. The strongest association I thought that has come up so far was the association between the two Marys in the tomb and in the womb. And then, of course, there's the there's the manger as well, which is a kind of tomb. You know, Christ in the manger. Oh, that's good. Uh, I, I, that, Can you I say would, more that, about that? Your thoughts on it? Well, I don't have anything articulate to say except that it does seem like there's there's a association there that's probably more than a coincidence that you had you had brought that up and I, I thought it was it was surprising. I wonder if you could say more. You talked about Mary what do you think is the relationship between the two Marys? Or how, well, what what's similar about them and what's different about them? Oh, see, this is why this is why I feel weird because this is why I like I like pulling in other people too that that don't think differently than me because I'm like I know where my theology kind of is now and I know this is going to bleed over into it. I think that the difference is extremely important because of the pattern because it's like you have the Ezekiel chapter 16 passage that I talked about where God finds the baby in the woods, finds the virgin, uh, and then it becomes the whore. 
And it's like, how does the whore become the virgin again? And it's like, that's, that's the story to me. And that's that. And that's when, um, and so I think that's why the, that's so compelling to me because they're, and this is where symbolism gets really weird. Cause it's like, there's like Mary, they're all the same Mary sort of like Mary, the mother of Jesus is Mary Magdalene is like Mary, the mother of Jesus is his wife, is his sister. Like it's all the same thing. Well, say more about why, why that's an appropriate association to make. Why it's, why it's okay to say that. Um, because, uh, all right, let me see. I'm going to see if I can try to explain this. Um, I guess because you just, if you start, I'm trying to think of, if you map on the pattern, it's like, she's the, she's the virgin archetype, right? And so the whore, <laughs> uh, Mary Magdalene, um, uh, the, the, the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. Like, and it's this, this, uh, but he says, go and sin no more. Also, like, you don't go and sin no more. Don't keep doing adultery. But then it's forgiveness makes perfect. It will restore relationships, uh, renew. It'll cover sin. It'll, uh, it'll make something spotless and blameless. Um, in Ephesians, uh, well, Paul says, I want to present, he says to the church, I want to present you a chaste virgin to Christ, right? So, that's theosis is trying to get back to this chaste virginity. And it's like, how, how on earth can you do that other than forgiveness? Um, in Ephesians, it says uh, that she's going to be spotless and blameless. Like it's got this, this language in there. And so the whore <laughs> being made a virgin again, being restored and renewed. And then in that place of virginity gives birth to the new creation sort of thing. So well, what is that now, verse that that come come let us reason together though your sins be as scarlet um you know they will be made as white as snow yeah like and yet they've washed their robes white in the blood of the lamb yeah those are right. good yeah good. yeah good yeah so it's i think in that way because it's it's creative behold i am making all things new mm -hmm. yeah like god calls god calls uh, israel the virgin um uh, when Assyria is trying to destroy Israel, the king of Assyria, and God rebukes, uh, it's in like the story of Hezekiah, then God rebukes Assyria, and he says, the virgin daughter of Israel has laughed you to scorn. And so like, she's the virgin, like the virgin is also Israel. Like it's this, it's like the divine, it's like an archetype or something, I guess you could say that that you come to embody that, uh, that Whoever so, gets accused just because they got accused, it's like they're made blameless. Like God immediately takes their side and it's like, <laughs> what do you mean? This one is like, they're perfect. Like, how dare you? Like, cause, cause as you, as you judge mm -hmm. you know, by that, by that measure, you will be, you will also be judged kind of things. Whoever would be first would be last, but why? Cause it's like in the kingdom, everyone is first. Like as far as God sees, like the God sees the way the parent sees where every child is not like, oh, this is the best child and this child sucks. It's like from God's perspective, every child is somehow the best. Just like a parent sees her. Mm. The, the accuser. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the one who's accusing, what's that saying? Like when you point the finger, you got three pointed back at you or something like that. But yeah, so I don't, I don't know if I explained that very well, though, Craig. Like, so the, it's like the, so God comes to creation. He creates the earth. The earth is virgin. Nothing's happened on it. 
he had the spirit of God is hovering over the surface of the waters. It's a virgin earth, untouched, like, and then creation begins. Things come forth from it. It gives birth. Um, then uh, Israel, he kind of draws her out from Egypt uh, in this virgin state. He has this whole story with them. Um, and then um, trying to think. Uh, then Mary is the same way. She's like the Virgin Mary. And then he comes and he, he hovers over the waters again, over the waters of her womb. And then Jesus is born. And then there's this thing we look forward to in the future where, uh, oh, well, I don't know what happened. That was weird. It's like, then it just cut out and then it didn't come back on for probably like 10 minutes. I'm surprised so the meeting kept While going. you froze, Jason, here's what happened, okay? You froze, and then it occurred to me when when Mary uh, Magdalene mistakes Jesus for the gardener. Remember that Adam was the one who tends the Garden of Eden. So that's the connection in making Jesus the second Adam, right? Mm -hmm. And then then Craig was asking me, well, now how appropriate do you think it is really to say that Mary, uh, 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 the mother of Jesus and, and Mary uh, Magdalene are, are the same. And I was saying, well, to me, it's like one can't say that they're the exact same as in like the like identity of indiscernibles or exact equivalents. Um, and then, uh, but, you know, the, nonetheless, there's a commonality underneath both of them. But, but Craig was wanting to stop me and say, hey, look, I think that this kind of distinguishing language is, is useful here. That's kind of where we were. You're probably right. Can I take a quick survey? I think this might be helpful. Sometimes we say, this is the same idea as this, is the same idea as this. And sometimes the association is very strong. And you you would say indiscern indiscernible, almost. I, I'm curious if we just pull the room, which, which patterns or which two things occur to you guys as being almost indiscernible. I've got an example that's coming to mind. It's not quite indiscernible, but it seems really like a strong association. I'd say um, the Garden of Paradise and the Tabernacle are very, very strongly associated because they each have the three, they have three levels and they have, the Tabernacle has a gold chain around as in the fence. So I, I won't elaborate, but I think they're very, very strongly associated. That's just an example. Even though they're totally different objects in the scripture let's say are there other things that you guys see as in a similar category of strong association mary's mary to that like you, it's, uh, usually yeah. mary and the ark are equated in that way mm -hmm. okay yeah that, i think that's a really strong one as well and then uh, when when they say when when elizabeth says who it's like who am i or sort of like um she says something what is this or who am I or something that the mother of my Lord should come to me? It's supposed to echo a quotation from whoever received the Ark of the Covenant um, oh. in earlier in the Hebrew Bible, where he says something oh. like, um, what is this that the Ark of the Covenant should come to me? There's some kind of echo. Oh, that's there. blowing my mind. That's, I think David says that or something. Yeah, who am I and what is my house or something. Ooh, good. There you go. I think when, he, yeah. when he's trying to bring the Ark to uh, Israel, I think he... I think he says that after after it kills the guy, then he puts it somewhere else, and then he brings it in. I think I think he might say something like that, but don't quote me on that because I'm not sure. That's interesting. That's fascinating. So, Cal, what's I don't know the I don't know the the quotation you mentioned. What's the context? 
Um, I barely know it. Jason would know it because he he's knows saying, the Bible. He's saying the the ark, the ark of God is in the tabernacle. It's within the tabernacle, um, and that's I think is what the ark is set on the mercy seat. I think, um, but I'm not quite sure. And the ark could be the could be the mercy. I think the I'm mercy really seat sure. is the covering of the ark. Okay, right. the mercy seat is the, the covering. covering. The covering the, for the ark. The covering. Okay. Remember and remember what that means because atonement is actually a transmi- translation of covering. Kafar. Yeah. There's all this just great imagery in there too, and you have the two angels in their faces. It makes emphasis their faces are towards the mercy seat. That's where they look. Yeah. The faces are directly there. Um, and so you have the two angels at Christ two in the tomb, one at both ends, and they're looking like it's just all this crazy stuff. But um, oh snap. So okay, because you were looking at the you were looking at the tomb as a kind of arc. Yeah, it's the same. And the, the two, two angels looking at it, the tomb in a womb. Yeah, like I don't know. It's all yes. yeah. It's crazy. It's, that's, that, I mean. that's also a very strong association. Yeah. So what was I saying? The the oh the the the, the quote. Um, so I think I think I mean I don't know what it is. I don't know. I probably won't be able to find it. But so the idea is like David wants to the ark is dwelt in a tabernacle, and David wants to bring it. I think to the city of Zion, which is the city of David. Um, it's kind of like the where Jerusalem is the head, kind of an image for like the heavenly Jerusalem, what we think of now. So he wants to bring the ark to that. And I think he makes that, that's that same statement says, who am I and what is my house that the ark should come to me type thing. Kind of the same thing. Cal saying the same thing. Elizabeth says like, who am I? Is Elizabeth Mary, Mary, when she's pregnant with Jesus goes to see her sister, Elizabeth or not sister cousin or something who is pregnant with john the baptist yes. and she says who am i that the mother sister. of my lord should come to me it's her sister it's her okay. sister because john the baptist is jesus cousin oh and so we see the fractality here because it's like the tabernacle sacred why because it contains the ark the ark is sacred why because it contains like the, the one of the the tablets or the tablets of the ten commandments wow. right and mm-hmm. and um, well, uh, oh so, it can keep going keep going no i mean it is the law and so um you know, it's just like it, it is like this kind of weird fractal pattern. Where, um, it's it's just like I don't know. Yeah, it is. it's interesting because it contains life. They all contain life, but they also contain judgment. They contain, you know, because the laws, uh, it's judgment. You know, Moses goes up the mountain and he returns with judgment. Like Christ descends and returns with judgment. Yeah. So again, that's that's the the Jasonian coincidence of truth and mercy, right? Yeah. Yeah, you have to have the truth. Yeah. It's a yeah. Well, it's, it's all, I, I, I'm I'm more tempted. It seems I, I I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'd say that it's life and death. Oh, here's that. One. This would be fun to explore. Okay, so um, because the letter kills, you, or the law kills, but the spirit gives life. Yeah, can you say more about that, Craig? What do you mean, like the the interplay between the two? Or? Well, they they seem they seem, let's say, um, inseparable because you have uh, the law that Moses brings is both life and death because it's uh, it's the way into life, but it's also the the thing that slays it's a you. means of death, right? And, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Self will come and to and self and by you, the slaying of self. You, you get forgiveness via repentance, and 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 you have more abundant life through dying to yourself. And Jesus is perfected in his sufferings by uh, he has more abundant life by willingly going to the cross 
so it is life through death. Yeah, um, the, the the tomb I think is maybe the strongest. Uh, well, the tomb is strong because it's a place of death, but life emerges from it. The ark is interesting because it's to to look on it is death. You a know, seed to, to, will not grow unless it is dropped into the ground and dies. The look on the ark, yeah. Yeah, well, the, he reaches out his hand and, yeah, and touches it and the guy dies. And then David is, like, terrified of that. Um, and, uh, so, which is something something incredibly profound because David, the reason, the reason I put, I think, I use those terms so often is because they're repeated so much, at least in my translation of the Bible. And David is one of those where, like, you read the Psalms, you read David, he's always going on about mercy and truth. So that's why I'm always, like, I think because it's just this refrain in my Bible his mercy endures yeah. forever, his mercy endures forever type thing to where. Um, and it says David is a man after God's own heart. Somehow the the pattern of God is is like writ or manifest in David. Yeah. I wonder if you think that the levels of veiledness as in a veil are relevant to the What's occurring to me is that you have these objects, especially in the Old Testament, that are deadly because of their sacredness. So you can't you can't experience them in their raw form. They have to be veiled to be uh, for them yeah. not to be deadly. And that in that way, it's like what I what I mean by that is I think I think that's related to the association between truth and death. This is I think this might be related to what you were getting at where I love this. Like, I really love this idea and I want to spend more time on it, but the, cause you said it, I think kind of as a joke where Rob Bell's book, love wins. And then you said, I want to write a book that called hell wins. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of the same dead, thing. Well, I was dead serious. Yeah. Well, I think you should write it because I think it's very relevant because the book of revelation is that right. It's that, it's that same thing. It's, it's a uh, God's revealing himself to you. And so it's going to melt your face off. And it's like, where, like, just where's your heart at that point? When God comes to you, when he comes to his creation, like, are you humble or are you arrogant? Because the fire is coming. And it's like, like that verse in Isaiah, who's going to dwell with everlasting burnings? Um, like, if you, God, it sounds, I don't have the right language for it. But if you, if you are repentant, you want the fire to burn you clean. Does that make sense? Like you want to make amends for your wrongs. You, you want mean, the you want you want to go through the fire. Yeah, so, yeah. That's why the prodigal son, why he's grieved in, in his soul is not that, oh, what if my dad doesn't take me back and I can't resume my 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 baller lifestyle? No, it's it's because he does he feels himself deserving of just being a hired hand. That's why he's that's why he's grieved in his heart. Because yeah. he saw the love of his father. It's like God doesn't condemn us; we condemn ourselves. We see the love that He has, the non non judgmental, non condemning love, and then we see all that it all that that love is not, and we condemn ourselves. We have to just in virtue of seeing it. Mm -hmm. when you see the when you see the light, it it discloses the darkness, kind of kind of thing. Yeah. Do Sorry. Mean, was, and do, do you mean yeah. Indiana Jones style? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think Maybe. so. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 arc is revealed. The the veil is removed from oh, the arc, oh, okay, and their faces right, melt. Right. Their faces melt off, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm. I think it's, I think it's, that's some good imagery for it of the, of the book of revelation, kind of like what's going on there. Um, Hey, can I read, can I read the first page of, um, uh, Carl Muller's, um, uh, uh, revelation empire and violence or whatever. I would rather really read. read you, yeah. Yeah. You can't quote anything unless it's yourself. Yeah. We're both going to say something. What? Really? Is that, is that true? <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. Or go is ahead. this we'll, is a joke? This we'll is a joke. allow it. Okay. Oh, man. It's just like, it's just like, it was what I was saying last night. I'm sorry if I'm just jumping off being too lateral, but like maybe we can find like the way that the revelation is the death in this kind of process of like, like almost life through death, you know? Yeah. But like, listen to this. Like, it's what I was talking about the other night. Um, where um, is revelation good news or bad news? Have you ever thought what a God would be like? Have you ever thought what a God would be like who actually ordained and executed the cruelty that is in that book? A holocaust of mankind. That's a quotation I don't know from whom. I read its cruel, barbarous message and I despair. What an evil book it is, for it says that humanity is nothing, is worth nothing. Christianity would be better without that book. It preaches nothing but cruelty and destruction. It teaches that the destruction of human beings does not matter, is even to be rejoiced over. It is evil. These are statements by the main characters in C.J. Sans- Sansom's novel, Revelation, a book whose plot is largely built around the bowls of judgment in Revelation uh, chapters 15 through 16. That these statements also express Sansom's own views about the book of Revelation is confirmed by the historical note that concludes the novel. Here he states that, where the book of Revelation is concerned, I share the view of Guy, one of the characters, or Guy, that the early church fathers released something very dangerous on the world when, after much deliberation, they decided to include it in the Christian canon. Sansom is very far from alone in arriving at such conclusions. The book has spawned controversy ever since its inclusion in the biblical canon, as the following views indicate. Um, uh, Martin Luther said, I, I find this book neither apostolic nor prophetic. I can in no way detect that the Holy Spirit produced it. Christ is neither taught nor known in it. Friedrich Nietzsche said the mo- called it the most rabid outburst of vindictiveness in all recorded history. Um, D.H. Lawrence uh, wrote, it is a grandiose scheme for wiping out and annihilating everybody who wasn't of the elect. It has none of the real Christ, none of the real gospel. Just as Jesus had to have a Judas, so did there have to be a revelation in the New Testament. Um, George Bernard Shaw called it the curious record of the visions of a drug addict. Will Self said, called it a sick text. There's something not quite right about revelation. Um, Jack Sanders uh, called it a retreat from ethical responsibility. Its existence and its place in the canon are, in the fullest sense of the word, evil. Uh, Tina Pippin called it a misogynist male fantasy at the end of time. Uh, John Dominic Crossan called it, he said, it transforms the nonviolent resistance of the slaughtered Jesus into the violent warfare of the slaughtering Jesus. Um, so, like, this is, like, this is very interesting, isn't it? Because it's, it's almost, I'm sorry, go ahead, Greg. I want to I, I hear what you have to say. Keep going. Well, D.H. Lawrence said, just as Jesus had to have a Judas, like, Scripture needs to have revelation. It's almost like the offset or the complement or the death 
that you have to pull scripture through and it because it's the end genesis is the beginning revelation is the end mm -hmm. and um you have to pull it through this you have to pull scripture through revelation in order to like do you, do you see what i'm getting at it's like it's like um it's almost this intentionally placed hurdle yeah um as far as as far as the, the as far as inspiration goes I, you know, I, 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 I'm having a visceral reaction because I couldn't disagree more with the tech, the quote you just read. That seems just written all over the damn book that the way to life is through the death, through death, and through fire, through judgment. You know, like this is the the way through the the snakes in the desert is to look at the flaming serpent. You know, the way, well, that's how I would interpret the way to life I would, is through I would, exactly. I would interpret the, the lake of fire as the refiner's fire. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think I, that's actually compatible with the Book of Revelation. Yeah. So you might say John's intention was not that there should be any redemption for the damned, but his intention only covers the symbolic vision. But there remains the interpretation of the symbolic vision, which I think you can say that the second death is the refiner's fire, which is. Death understood as the negation of one's identity. But if it, it's a false identity and that's been strengthened by so many years and decades of sin, it's going to die very hard and very painfully. Um, yes. But it is it is the death that will be necessary to have more abundant life, the life of the Father, of the Zoe Ionios. This, this is... Go ahead, Jason. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I completely agree with you. I thought that the, the quotes on that book were came across to me as very shallow and one-sided. Um, but I think what's coming back to my mind is the image of the, the Taurus thing. And I'm like, in that center part is the, the all-consuming fire. And so it's revelation is pulling it all back into that, uh, that yeah, whatever you want to call it. And, and if you're way out on the edge at that point, it's going to be <laughs> one heck of a whirlwind when you get drugged back into the, because I mean, he says this, God is, our God indeed is a consuming fire um jealousy is a husband's fury and god is jealous for his creation and it says our god is a jealous god and so there yeah there's a i don't know what were you gonna say Craig? i agree with you 100 percent. i the reason one reason that this is a really attractive approach to me is that it seems like the only way that sensibly accounts for these two visions uh, of judge of the judgment it seems like there's two judgment stories there's one where there's a casting out and there's a one where it's a total redemption right and the only it seems like a natural way to resolve that is to imagine that hell is uh, i've said this to you jason hell is not the sentence hell is the trial mm -hmm. and that's with like what cal said this is it's the refiner's fire and so you're going to withstand it or you're not going to withstand it you're going to be refined or you're going to be consumed Think whoever builds on the the foundation of solid rock, you know his works will they they will withstand the 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 trial. But um, it, uh, like Paul talks about like those whose whose um works will withstand the fire of judgment, and others who will be saved, but only as through fire, right? Although that you can't necessarily. I mean, see, the thing is, one could very plausibly just say that that's. He's only talking about believers there. But if you want to get fractal with it and just say that's the pattern of everything, you can just say that, you know, that's what happens to everyone. 
sort of in the refiner's fire uh, in the second death. And that's kind of what I would, that's what I would think. Because um, if the first death wasn't real death, like, or how to put it, if the first death wasn't just simple cessation of existence, but was something deeper, I think the same would apply to the second death. Mm. Would you would you clarify just what the way that you're using first and second death? How you use those terms? So um, uh, the first death is when you die, but as in Hebrews it says, it is appointed unto man to die once, and after that the judgment. Um, so you know, read in too flat a way, Hebrews just straight up contradicts with re uh, contradicts Revelation's description of uh, the final judgment as the second death. Um, but but the first death is, is your physical death. The second death is the judgment. You said something fake, like you either are refined or you're consumed. Mm. Which is interesting. Um, I don't know. I was just thinking about, um, and then and Cal said after that, the, um, the refinement and it fractally working through all levels of creation. Well, um, what what I want to say about that, the 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 refining is, I think it's really obvious that that imagery and that um, not just that imagery, like that that fantasy was embedded deep in the the, the Christian psychology, and I, I say that uh, especially with reference to alchemy, you had a whole culture of people who because they believed that the world was intelligible and that you could pay attention and you could make sense of it, you had this kind of pseudo-scientific, uh, let's say, tradition of alchemy, where they're especially refining metals, you mm -hmm. know, as a, as a pathway to uh, curing, you know, they're looking around and saying, we have, the, we have spiritual um, life, let's say, but they were in a time where there was, you know, privation and death and sickness. And they said, we need to be able to heal. We want to address this. And the way to do it is through the refinement of matter and especially metals, you know, and earth. And so that, all that to say, I, I really think that that is like a deep, deep uh, element embedded in the Christian fantasy. Jason, let's riff on, to, 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 to amplify Craig's point, tell tell me what you know about um, all the, all the, all the language that God uses in the in the major prophets to talk about the judgment the, or the um, uh, the punishments and the judgments that He's going to bring upon Israel and that they're ultimately restorative, you know, like judge. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could. I mean, I don't know if I know all of them. I'll tell the ones that come to mind. I mean, I definitely don't know all of them. Um, because you have the story of Israel where they. Because he says, like in Ezekiel, now you've played the harlot. You've gone after all your other level lovers. So he basically says, you can have them. Like, you can have them at this point. So uh, uh, Israel is lusting after um, Assyria. They're neighboring Assyria. This is one of the best parts, the best verses in the whole Bible where it talks about the mission of uh, horses. You guys probably not been familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but so does, he lets... Does Craig know this part? Where it's, it's like her her lover's genitals were like the genitals of donkeys and and their emissions like the emissions of, of horses or something like that yeah yeah Rock it's on. like super not it's just super yeah, yeah. ezekiel's great not he, appropriate. He really, he's, he's a poet crude. he's a poet for sure um but so they 
but this part, so it's in the Hezekiah story, right? And so Israel um, gets basically gets destroyed by Assyria. Like Judah gets destroyed by Babylon, but Israel gets destroyed by Assyria. So they're worshiping all these other idols. So the interesting thing, I mean, this is the thing that stood out to me. Like, I don't know all the other verses. There's a lot of verses where God talks about refinement and putting them through the fire. Like you're, you're There's one about me. the vineyard that's important that I wanted you to bring up when you when you finish this. The pruning? About, okay. Yes. Yeah, but he says, actually, I just heard it the other day. He said, you are to me like dross. Uh, okay, here it is. Israel in the furnace in Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, house of Israel has become dross to me. They are all bronze, tin, iron, and lead in the midst of a furnace. They have become dross from silver. Therefore, thus says Lord God, because you have become dross, therefore, behold, I will gather you into the midst of Jerusalem as men gather silver, bronze, lead, and lead and tin into the midst of a furnace and to blow fire on it, to melt it. So I will gather you in my anger and in my fury, and I will leave you there to melt you. Yes, I will gather you and blow on you with the fire of my wrath so that you be melted in its midst as silver is melted in the midst of the furnace. So you shall be melted in the midst. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have poured out my fury on you. Um, and then the thing, the thing that I was trying to get to with Hezekiah is like, he, Israel has all these idols of all these other kings. And Assyria comes to, is, like, comes to Judah and he says, look at all these other nations that worship their gods. Um, what do you think of their gods now? I've, I've destroyed them. They're gone. I obliterated them. They're burnt up. Uh, so Assyria is this furnace and God throws Israel into it. But then only, only Israel comes out. Like all the other nations, all the other gods are gone. Like who come, like Israel's still around. Like, I mean, all the other, all those nations are gone. You don't hear about them anymore. So there is this like restorative process of this furnace and refinement where God burns off your idols. Um, yeah. And prunes, I think the part Cal was wanting to get, it was 15, where it talks about the pruning of Jesus Christ. I will cut away the, the dead yeah. branches. There's, you know, there's even, there's a ton of imagery related to being in the fire, but not burned up. You have the, obviously the, the bush in Exodus is a, a very primary one. And then you have the story of the, the three friends in the fire. You remember this one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And Daniel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there is one passage too, and I remember I can't remember where it is exactly. It might be Jeremiah, where God says, "Like, oh Benjamin," where He says, uh, "God says I've tried to refine you, and you would not be refined." And He's like, "Now, now it's even worse." And I don't know if that's maybe where they get carried off to Babylon. Um, I think that might be, and to me, that maybe somehow is. A little bit resembles where God says, I give them up to strong delusion at this point. Like I've tried to refine you over and over and over and you refused. I tried to take away the dross and you refused. Because I remember there is a part in the Bible where that, and it might be that the action after that is when they get carried captive to Babylon. And that's where you are given up. Like that's where I don't, like you truly are blind. Um, I don't know that you're lost because God, God judges you according to like, you know, he, it knows much is like judged according to much. So like in that state, I think you're able to offer mercy because forgive them Lord, they don't know what they do, but it's when they get carried to Babylon. That's when your eyes are plucked out. They pluck out the eyes of Hezekiah and he's carried off blind into this, like all the way back to the beginning. Like that is back. That's where Abraham came out of 
So like you're going back to the very, very like it's it sucks. It's very it's very like one of the most tragic I think stories. Abraham came ever. out of Ur of the Chaldees, right? Which he is came Babylon, out of, right? Yeah. And he crossed the river Euphrates. And then he crosses the river Euphrates, then there's a crossing of the Red Sea, then there's a crossing of the Jordan, and it's like God takes them all the way back from the promised land back to Babylon. Uh but it's because, like Luke says, it's because uh, Antichrist is a hair's breadth away from Christ or something like that. It's because Jerusalem becomes Babylon is why that happens, because they reach the pinnacle of the mountain, and then they say, behold, I'm God now. I'm the judge of the world. I'm, uh, they built their tower to heaven. Um, and then they forget, you forget God in the midst of your harlotry, and you forget how to love, and you know only how to rule. And then it's like, here's, here comes, you want to you be the judge, here's the judgment type thing and then you go then you're back in <laughs> before you know it you don't even know it because your eyes are plucked out because you're so blind in your own arrogance that you can't see anything it's like your eyes are gone forgive them lord they don't know what they do <laughs> that, that's I, hopefully that's the response but i don't know jason's power level in this episode is very high <laughs> i'm very high level of riffing it's because they, they drink that Mountain Dew. That's why. This episode brought to you by Mountain Dew. <laughs> did did the last be... recording? Oh, go ahead, Greg. No, I, I was going to agree with what you said. Did the last myself. recording successfully convert? It did. I have to. It look the reason I'm like making funny faces. It looks like I have two things here. Uh, it looked like I definitely have. Oh, the first folder is not. This is a gig. So I'm assuming it's got it all. So yeah, I should be able to just piece these two together. If you want me to do that with the audio as well, I can and then send you the audio file. But. Well, but Benjamin is awake, um, as, as you saw. So it might be time for me to go soon. I was wondering whether in your recall of the, the Old Testament slash Hebrew Bible, um, whether you could recall this part that you were talking to me about the other day. I, it's not this, but I it was remembering like Isaiah, like judge between me and my vineyard. Didn't oh, I yeah. do everything? Are you thinking of it yet? Because yeah, I can tell you. I'm familiar with it. Let me Google where it's at. It's either Isaiah or Jeremiah. I'm not Isaiah talking about that exact one. I'm not talking about that exact one, though. I'm talking about something else where, where God seems to speak of a judgment that is so terrible that it might as well be death. And then with almost like whiplash alternation, he... And the next um, image, or 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 um, you know, paragraph, he's talking about like um, a like a vineyard or a field coming to cultivation, oh, which yeah. kind of yeah, yeah. So there's a spectacular a, reference. There's a um, it's in Micah is what I'm talking about. This is a, he says, "Judge between me and my vineyard." But this part, uh, he says in Micah chapter one verse six, "Therefore I will make Samaria a heap of ruins in the field." places for planting a vineyard i'll pour i'll pour down her stones into the valley and i will uncover her foundations so it's like he's just going to run the plow straight through it and make it uh good soil again um to me that's what that means i think he repeats it after that in in micah again like that this uh yeah but oh and, and that's why andrew Fronich was saying that if we Look at God's judgments on Israel. They are restored. His punishments are restored. But the reason why that in the New Testament, Christians deny that 
the, the lake of fire, say, will, will have a restorative or corrective function is that they don't acknowledge that, that all are children of God. Um, and I think that, because you know, they say that only believers are, are God's children. But that's why Andrew Gronich was looking at the genealogy of Jesus that goes all the way up to Adam. And it says, Adam, which is the son of God. Um, and he's trying to it, transitively tie it all together um, it, through Ad, to, to say that through Adam all are God's God's children, which is a very which is a very interesting move that he made in his um, presentation on uh, ca capturing Christianity. Um, so, uh, but but yeah, they, they, those those Old Testament references are what I wanted Jason to to pull out um, when because um, because Greg was because that's. Because that's what Craig was um was getting at with regard to the refiner's fire. So I think you guys are both uh, on fire. Uh, I'm not intended today. I, I just uh, Jason, I love when you're. I feel like you have a Bible search engine in your brain, and you can just Google it, and you're like, "Oh, that's right here." I hope so. I, just, uh, I, I really I, I pray I love for that. Thing comes up. Yeah. I pray for that. That'll somehow stick with me. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I like what you said too, Kyle. Like, I think there is a, um, I think that's why it is through the revelation of Jesus Christ, though. Like, we're all connected through this genealogy of mankind, all being back to the one son of God in Adam. But then there's this thing with Jesus where it's like, uh, I, what is George McDonald said it just flat out in his book. And I was like, thank God, someone just finally said it so plain. He said, <laughs> Christ is God's forgiveness. And so it's like, that is the, the Christians, uh, or the, it's being this, it's biting off a chunk of that forgiveness where you're like, you, you taste that. And then through that forgiveness, receiving it, then you extend it all the way back to Adam. And it's like, so some people don't, aren't familiar with that. Some Christians aren't even familiar with that. Like, to be fair, like they're not even familiar with the, the, Listen that nature of tree, tree of maybe this is too explicit you're using the tree of life metaphor yeah 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 that's yeah that's kind of the tree of life that's it uh, i had i've never heard that that's really really good so like he's like oh my gosh like you're, you're saying again it's it's so simple so i feel silly saying this but you're saying that christ is the tree of life in paradise that humanity has been cut off from eating that we're able to eat from again yeah. That's right. And that's yeah. why that's also that tree is also the cross. Cursed is the one who hangs from a tree. Yeah, that's good. The that's the fruit the fruit that 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 they that the knowledge of good and evil, it's like what they saw is the crucified Jesus. Mm. That's what that's what Lance Cleaver was telling me uh in his talk with me when he, he when he quoted uh, Timothy Patitsas uh in, in some book, I can't remember its title, but that's the exact point that was made in that book. Well, you said you just tied it to the knowledge of good and evil. How is what's that? What's that connection? Like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't grab it. Um, uh, in uh, according to Paditsas, um, when when Adam and Eve ate of the uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mm. um, what they saw was the God who whom they they formerly were accustomed to seeing him. You know, walk with them in the garden, um, but now they saw him hanging um, uh, on on the cross. Mm -hmm. So the tree is being equated with the cross, and the, the 
the knowledge of um, good and evil is the knowledge of Jesus' um, crucifixion. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, for them, this was like, you know, some kind of shattering uh, like revelation that drives them out of the garden or something like that. Huh. I always thought it was the the claiming to know good and evil. That's how I always perceived it. Okay. And I don't know if I always perceived it that way, but it's that's how I thought it was like, I think that not just that, that not just knowledge, but like as in the the claim to know good and evil. Like I'm I'm gonna play God in this scenario. I'm gonna say what's good and what's evil, and I'm the judge. But, but it that, says cursed cursed is the one who hangs from a tree, and yeah. so uh, that's what Paul says. And so if that if that's an interesting way to connect the cross with the the tree of the knowledge yeah. of good and evil. I do think Jesus is the tree of, of life because there's two different trees too. There's a tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But it's and also the same fig, tree. Is right? it? And there's the fig, the fig well, tree. I can maybe. But yeah, there is the fig tree too. Yeah, yeah. Which I, um, and this probably, like I said, this I, I think this is too, uh, to quote myself, I've said before that's the tree of repentance, but that's probably making it too defined. Um, the fig tree is the tree of, of repentance? Of repent, like the fruit, the fruit is repentance. Um, but this is the that's like Bring I said, that's fruit in keeping with repentance. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Who, who warned you to escape the coming hell or the escape the coming coming fire? Yeah, you, you vipers. John the Baptist says that to him, bear fruits worthy of repentance. So that's just how I think. I think it's like oversimplifying it in my brain. Like, I will say that, like, I don't with symbolism, like, I don't want to partake, like, say that it's only repentance, it's the fig. The figs are only repentance, but because um, Jesus, well, God goes to the fig tree. Like you have three trees in the garden, knowledge of good and evil, which they eat of the tree of life, which get, they get cut off from. And then the fig tree. And it's like God goes to the fig tree after they fall. And he finds only leaves because he finds what is it? Like he goes through the garden and he finds Adam and Eve covering themselves with fig leaves. And it's like he doesn't find fruit. Like and then he goes to Israel when Jesus is there and he finds the fig tree without leaves, you know, with leaves without fruit is what it says. It's like the mm. same thing, and it's like he wants. Mm. And I don't know that it's repentance, but I think what my mind ties it to is when John the Baptist says that. And there's also this passage in Luke where Luke is talking specifically about repentance, and he says God, the owner of the fig tree, comes for three years seeking fruit on it. And finds none and he says to the the workers cut it down i'm tired of coming here and the worker says please lord let me fertilize it let me till the ground let me like break up the ground and fertilize it throw some shit on it and then we'll see if it brings forth fruit if it doesn't cut it down i never thought about the fruit of the fruit the fig tree so that's, i'm really glad you brought that up jason is but, doing uh, hyper-dimensional uh, bible reading but I thought, let me know what you think of this, because there's dissonance for me, because I would have thought that the fig tree is something else primarily. I thought it was the, the tree of uh, covering. The tree, it's a veil. Like it's the, um, because that's what they veil themselves with. And the, it's the same, the same reason um, that the, the image of paradise, which is the tree of life, tree of knowledge, and good and evil, are uh, equivalent, let's say, to the tabernacle, because you have the holy of holies, and you have the the holy place and then you have the the courtyard and the covering of skin where the fig tree is the skin is yeah the you know this is really interesting and i think you're probably honest this is where it gets into jonah finally what <laughs> 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 Pedro's interpretation of oh. jonah oh bring it bring it 
Well, I'm not sure I can. I don't want to interrupt Jason. <laughs> no, 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 no. Go ahead. I was, I was no, just talking about the, that. Is the tree leaves are coverings? Like that's what the trees trees do. Like it's like hands, and so there's a part in Ezekiel where it says the healing of the nations, like the leaves of the trees, will be for the healing of the nations. So Christ is the the tree of life, and then those who eat of that fruit, uh, forgiveness, whatever, become trees of life. And in the Ezekiel passage, the river of life is lined with trees, all different trees of life, all bearing fruits every month. Um, so Same it's in like, Revelation. Yeah, so it's like all those are all believers, whatever you want to call it, all all. The children of God are are trees of life, and that. But then it says the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nation. So there is something. I'm not sure what to make of it, but I think you're right, Craig. There is something like, and that it is a covering. Adam and Eve cover themselves with it. So there is some sort of thing going on there. But Jesus, it's, the, it's there's the a birth. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the birth of all veils of all coverings, and that's why Christ curses the fig tree because he's coming to remove the veil. That's good. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, he wants the fruit, and it's it. Yeah, that's interesting. So, what were you going to say about Jonah? About I want to hear about Jonah. Pajot interprets Jonah. So, you know, in Jonah, um, Jonah is commanded by God to go and uh, prophesy to Assyria, but Jonah doesn't want to because he wants Assyria to be destroyed. He doesn't want them to be warned of their impending destruction. You know, you, you brood of vipers who warns you to flee from the coming wrath. He wants them to, he doesn't, wa- he doesn't want them to be warned. And um, uh, so instead of going, I think, east to Assyria, he goes west on a boat. And um, there's a storm. And then the uh, the people on the boat, um, they, they want to figure out what's going on because they sent some kind of divine judgment. And they find, uh, they find Jonah sleeping in the, in the, the lower, like, hold. And they wake him up and they're like, what's going on? And he tells them, and, he, and they say, well, why don't you do what you're supposed to do then? Let's turn this boat around. And he says, no, just throw me overboard. And then he he gets swallowed up by a whale. So like Jonah is like this kind of bungling, like backward, like anti-prophet almost. Um, he's the one who's speaking God's will, but he's like not doing God's will. Um, and and um, he, uh, he gets... Uh, swallowed by the whale for three days and then he gets spat up onto the shore um and i guess that is assyria like the whale brings him there or something and then he says the prophecy which is like um in however many days assyria will be destroyed so it's not even a warning it's a prophecy but it's a prophecy that gets falsified by assyria responding in faith and and um, uh, repenting in sackcloth and ashes and so after that um uh jonah's really mad at god and um there is like uh there's a there's some kind of vine that god causes to grow that jonah really likes for some reason and um it shelters him from the sun and um but then later a worm comes which is also sent by god because in the old testament especially it's like every good thing and every bad thing comes from god equally the right hand to the left like i'm the lord I do good and I do evil. Does does destruction come to a city except I purpose it? You know, that kind of thing. I'm Mm. just paraphrasing. Um, And uh, he's, uh, Jonah's really mad at God. um, But God says, uh, look, if you were so upset over the loss of this vine, which was a little thing, don't you think I'm justified to have been worried over the loss of Assyria, which is a great city with many men and animals? And Pajot interprets the, 
the vine as a kind of covering, sort of like how Adam and Eve, they had a fig leaf covering them, and then later they have skins. They need integument or layers to protect them almost from the divine presence, which is a, a theme you've brought up once or twice already, Craig. Um, um, sorry, I just get so sleepy around this time of day that it's almost like I'm dissociating, but like, um, mm. uh, the, uh, so the, the idea is Pajot interprets that tree as, as being akin to the, the fig leaf covering and then later the animal skins, the integument, there were the layers that one needs in order to mediate between oneself and God. So it's this idea mm. of mediation being necessary, right? Mm. That is super, super, super interesting because There's, there's there's two themes in opposite directions, but they're both related to veiledness because, I mean, you'd mentioned as Adam and Eve are descending away from the tree of life, they need more veil, they need more coverings. Like that's why Cain needs a city. You know, like he doesn't just need, he, he's so far away that he needs so many garments of skin that it's, you know, that it's a city. But then it's in the other direction, there's a veiledness uh, in the direction, like as you approach what's holy, yeah, like what Cain is like, one is as you depart, you need a veiling, but as you approach, there has to be a kind of veiling. Mm. Uh, and I, I don't have anything to say about that. And you're a mathematician, so like, like veiling and unveiling, they're almost like inverse operations. And it's like you can use the language of one or the other, you know, like almost as you choose. And like, oh like God, as you approach God. God is also is simultaneously veiling up. It bears description both as veiling up and veiling. Oh, down. This is good. This well, is good. yeah, it's almost like, but it's it's all it's 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 all. I, I think you're making a good point, but it's almost not that. Like it's almost like you need. It's like a putting on. It's not like putting on and then taking off. It's like putting on in one direction and putting on. Yeah, no, no, no. You're on. You're spot on. So it's the, like the tree the, of. The tree of life you're putting on christ in a way like you're putting on this veil so here for we know that our earthly house this tent is destroyed we have a building from god a house not made with hands eternal in the heaven for we in the for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven if indeed having been clothed we shall not be found naked for we who are in this tent groan being burdened not because we want to be unclothed but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very thing is God, who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. There, you're spot on, Craig. So it's like taking off these garments of skins to be clothed um, in the true life, uh, which is, in a weird way, death. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what to make of it. I died, I died, dying to self. Um, yeah. That's that's fascinating. The death, the death to self that is part of agape. Is that is that kind the of what you're talking? Agape death to self. Is that is that does that verse kind of get at where you're talking about, Craig? Or no? I I think I think so. I I'm, I'm kind of I think I'm just feeling slow. It seems like it's no, not it, about. It wasn't immediately clear to me either. But this whole conversation has been benefiting from Craig asking for clarification and just to make it more explicit. So. Yeah, I think it would be appropriate me, to do that again here. Let me ask a clarifying question. Is the the veiling related to holiness? It seems um it's not about the perceiver, like the like the, the human doing unveiling or veiling. 
but like it's as if the the holy thing itself, the sacred thing, has to be veiled. Uh, I don't know if that's sacred I, I could thing. Be, has to I be could dead. be dead wrong. It's like the tabernacle has to be veiled. It's like the um, it's like the oh, when you're coming away from the garden, the tabernacle has to be veiled. I don't know. It's like as you approach the holy thing, you're going through layers of through the veil. through the the yeah. I mean, in, even when like you're going the, into the, the holy of holies. But it's like the garment is not on the person. The garment is on the thing that's holy. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. But there's a. I'm trying to think of how to how to put this through. Like I'm I'm trying. I don't know. Um. There's a there's a repentance is a death to self, right? So in order to cross through those veils, there has to be some sort of repentance, right? Some sort of uh, when the when the veil, so you have the tents in the tabernacle, right? Yeah. And when you separate them, it's like you're being you're crossing through a door, you're crossing through a threshold, like like birth or something. In a way, you're going into this new space. Um, so you have to go through that narrow way, that narrow passage, that like this this kind of death of yourself into this this new area to get closer to God to be able to veil at the mm -hmm. same time. I, th I think, um, but maybe I'm just trying to make it too much of a... Like no, that, that's a really interesting language because it draws to mind the association uh, uh, of like stages of unity where you're entering... Um, it, it, we were talking about the, the organs of the body and how there's an entering into a kind of a new uh, innerness I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. But the, so so get article. ready for 2 Corinthians 3.12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the lord who is the spirit that is a very good quote christ is god knowing us knowing god knowing us knowing god knowing us knowing god knowing us mm. yeah so what were you saying That's about the image the interconnectedness of the body too craig in the article that we had i read? think that, i think that was a weak association i think you, you could probably ignore that <laughs> I don't I mean I don't I don't I doubt it. I'm sure it's connected. I'm just not sure how to make the connection, but I'm sure you're What do you guys I want to ask you guys a, sim a similar question to what we were talking about earlier. What what things what objects in the Bible you think are associated with veiledness, like with a veil or covering? Well, um I mean my mind immediately goes to like women, virgins and stuff. Uh Virgins are veiled, harlots are veiled too, which is interesting. The, the atonement is a covering. That's what that's what the, the Hebrew word is. Atonement is uh, covering. It's like it's like the covering of the the mercy seat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what is it? Love covers a multitude of sins or something like Good. that too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, I don't know. But there is the covering also of um 
Yeah, I'm not sure the connectedness that it goes to. I hadn't thought about that before, too, but the covering of harlotry, too. Like when the the Tamar sits by to trick Judah into sleeping with her, she covers herself. Or harlots mm. cover themselves. And it's the same thing, like when you don't want your identity to be known, you hide yourself. Kind of like Adam and Eve, I think we're doing. with Jesus, when, Christ, when God came to them, they were wanting to hide their shame. So they cover their identity. Um, that's like when, it took me so long to get this, but the same thing when like, women don't women will take the last name of the husband they're veiling their their history like they're covering they're put they have the head covering on because they're covering their name they're covering their identity and taking the last name of the husband which is connected to head coverings which i never understood before either which is also in in isaiah where where um god god says that you know after the destruction that i visit and the disgrace that will be upon like the with the women of jerusalem they will cling to like any passing soldier or something like that. It's just um, let us take your name. We'll we'll pay for our own you know food and shelter. Just let us take your name to cover our disgrace. Oh wow, that's a good connection. Yeah, there is also a covering of I guess you know you could just say the heavens over the earth. Or you could say clouds. Maybe maybe that would be better. God covers Himself in the cloud. Uh, it's I, the dome in the dark cloud. Covers but and it separates from what the mercy of oh, the water rather the waters the, the water. dome is covered and then it's it's above the dome are the the waters um, wow yeah 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 could which you, you always extend? equate too much mercy as like a flood the flood of the waters which is really yeah yeah too much mercy yeah so that's mm-hmm. could you extend the analogy to talk about the story of Joseph where he's always putting on these different garments Oh, Joseph in the Old Testament, right? Wait. Yeah. With the Yes, yes, yes. Joseph Codeman. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Um I don't know. Because they, they they strip him of his garments, right? And throw him in the pit. Uh he has them. He's given those by his father because he's what does it it says, Well, I guess he's most loved. I don't know if it says he's most loved. Um I think it might, um, but there's a weird Maybe. thing too. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, you go. Oh, well, I was just going to say the coat of many colors. The only other time I think I remember seeing that is uh, the uh, David's David's daughters. Um, it says that all the virgin, all David's virgin daughters are given a mm. coat, a robe of many colors, um, mm. and then God's God's throne is covered or encircled with a rainbow and he puts a rainbow covering also over the earth after the flood. So there's all these weird parallels and I'm not quite sure what to make of all of them, but we, we need to make a bookmark to revisit that pattern. The one of the, the seven, the seven sisters or the seven peoples and their, what's the, the seven veils? Is that of the tabernacle? Is there seven veils? There's that second temple period kind of understanding that there's going to be like a, like a place of seven veils. I'm not sure that was the tabernacle or not, but Paul, it's like there are seven heavens too. Paul yeah. went up to the third or something like I that. I just watched a video of Jed talking about that. We could pull him on in that, pick his brain. He probably knows. Well, there's the seven, there's the seven candles or the seven flames that are associated with the menorah. So what's seven bowls? Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's we, interesting. Man, to me that- we, we, we should, I think it's loosely related. Maybe it's strongly related, but I feel like we should put it aside because it's going to be an explosion of association. But this, um, 
I don't know. And yeah, I'm definitely going to think on this more because there are, t- it seems to be there's two coverings. There's one in virginity and one in harlotry. Like you're talking about, mm-hmm. Craig, there's two coverings. There's one going down from the mountain and there's one coming up. And it's like, Joseph has this coat of many colors given to him by the father and his brothers. A garment, rip, a garment they, of favor. Yeah. And they strip oh, I think it. all of his garments are garments of favor. And they strip, strip it from him. Yeah. Yeah. And they strip it. Yeah. Garments of glory is a good way to put it. And that, yeah, because in Psalm 45, it says the virgin daughter is all glorious in her apparel in a robe of many colors. So it's like garments of glory, but they strip him of it and throw him in the pit. And the same thing happens to Tamar in David's story. Like her brother comes and rapes her and strips her virginity away. And she tears, I think it says she tears her garment to pieces and runs off or something like that. This robe of many colors. So like the garment, those garments get destroyed in this defiling or something like that, or I don't know. Mm. Although I don't know, Joseph was defiled, but he was <laughs> taken by his. That's why I think I need to pick Jacob's brain on that some more too. He talked about the Jews, the Jewish people have a almost two images of the Messiah, and one is a Messiah Joseph, the other is a Messiah David, and I'm like. Jesus seems to, he does seem to represent the Joseph one pretty, there's a lot of parallels there with his brothers stripping him, throwing him in the pit. Um, yeah. And then him coming back to save him. <laughs> so, so there's probably something there. Yeah. We definitely have to put a pin in is a lot it, of this stuff. Is it, maybe it's a stupid association. I mean, Christ I mean, Christ in that way. This is, I think, exactly what you're saying. Like Christ was Joseph with his his veil, his coat of colors taken off, like his, with his divinity stripped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and his brothers. Good. Yeah, and his brothers killed him. <laughs> and then yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. So I think there's something that's a, to that. That's an excellent. That's a fantastic connection. Because if you could have seen me when I was in my glory heaven right so the, the the glory is the is that the coat of many colors that, that has to be stripped precisely mm-hmm. so he can do his saving work you meant it for evil but god meant it for good right oh so good that's how perfect we yeah yeah it's really it's really fascinating i'm still and, not sure what to make oh of my all gosh of you know what's bizarre is he goes again maybe i've done this he goes. He goes to Egypt. He doesn't go anywhere. He goes to Egypt, which is the the the, the, the iron furnace. And the iron furnace, like through through Egypt, Israel is saved. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Yep. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Yeah, there's there's it's a symbol there. there too. There is, yeah, yeah. There's man, there's a lot here. There's so much here. I don't know, man. And into the colors. And... Christ, it's interesting because or Joseph, it's Joseph. He goes to Egypt and he he puts on the garments of favor, but it's the favor not of God, but it's the favor of Pharaoh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the Which... favor of. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not quite sure what to make of that. Like I told you before, yeah. I've, I've always seen Egypt. I gotta. I gotta like duck a, out. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's I'm fine. Just head out. But thanks, guys. I was you, trying to see if I could this. if I could persevere into the end and be saved. But uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 the one who 
I'm the seed that was cast on rocky ground. Like, I was, I was well, part of you, but I was not of you. And so, like, I'm going, I'm going forth now. It's like I, I'm not right. persevering to the end. I think I'm, I'm following you soon after. Yeah, yeah. My time as well. Thank you guys for All doing right. this. Okay, yeah, bye, ca- bye, cats, cats See and you, burgers. Man. I'll send you the audio. Okay. You oh, you guys are really finishing. You guys always do this. Like, I try to leave, but leave, leave you guys going. But then you always like end whenever right, I go. Well, it's because your timing is so. Perfect. Well, I'm gonna. I want to hear what we'll hear. What Craig just finished your thought real quick, and then, then we'll, then we'll all go. What? What, what was, was it? I don't even remember what it was. Now I don't know. I, it's a mystery. Oh, the, the iron know. furnace. The iron. Well, yeah, it's the, no, iron no. He said when, when Joseph was cloaked, he was cloaked now in the Pharaoh's favor, like something like that. He was he was made the the hand of the Pharaoh or something like that, you know. So when when Joseph has like some other covering. He has yeah. favor with Pharaoh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's basically given the kingdom, right? He's, yeah, in some way. He's, he's, given kingdom, author- right? he's given authority. I think it says that he rides in the second chariot behind Pharaoh, and he's got all authority over the whole realm or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's always just making, now that's making me think of where you, you're always talking about, like, the keys to, to the, whatever you bind on earth. They'll be bound in heaven. And iron yeah, kind of gives that, gives that, Iron has that that uh, I don't know what you want to call it that poetic some sort of feeling or something to it a binding aspect like iron chains or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's really interesting. You guys said so many insightful things in this conversation and asked really wonderful questions. Thank I, you. Uh, that's that's all I'm we wanted to hear. All Jason. This was the, this is the conversation. <laughs> no, it was beasted out. No, it was Well, it's because it's this <laughs> heavenly glow behind me. See this? <laughs> it was. It was yeah. all you guys. It was all good. This was enjoyable. Thanks. So, Cal, since this is kind of running joke in this conversation, can you lead us out with a quote from yourself? Oh, man. <laughs> okay. When you're learning the infinite, any starting place is as good as any other. Nice. Nice. We'll, we'll sounds like a fortune. On that one. That, that right. needs, you need to send that to the fortune cookie companies. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I did. They said it was like, it was boring or something, but I thought it was golden. You know, <laughs> I quote myself all day. I don't know what 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 fault they found with it. But all right, guys, you guys have a great day. Thanks for doing this. All right, you too. See ya. Awesome job.